Hey, Jake. Yeah, Cameron? What do you call a killer with two butts? I don't know. An assassin. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. Alright, here we go. Welcome back everyone to Region Unlocked. My name is Cameron. And I am Jake. And today we are recording on September 5th and September 6th, 2021. And uh, let's just go ahead and, and get to the name that you all see in the featured on the title here we have a guest today <clears throat> now Drum roll he asked me not to read this but gosh darn it i'm gonna read it anyway because i wrote it and it's the truth i freaking love this guest he is the best guest in the whole world period ladies and gentlemen malcolm keys Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Cameron, Jake, thanks for having me on today. Oh, you're it's good to have you on, man. Quite welcome. So Malcolm is our resident history expert and thought it would be wonderful to have come talk some Assassin's Creed with us. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. History, huh? That's awesome. Yeah, you majored in that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I so I actually majored in history at Purdue, so uh, you know, I've actually uh, Assassin's Creed was one of the games that actually pushed me to become, uh, you know, focused in history. You know, that coming Ooh. out, you know, really in the, uh, yeah, yeah, in the because I came out uh, 2007, so yeah, 17. So it had a it had a good good impact on me, I would say, and kind of pushed me, I think, more towards that medieval history uh, field. Uh, which I ended up changing later on in college, but uh, you know we'll get to that when we get to <laughs> some of the later Assassin's Creed. Okay, so nice, Malcolm. A question we like to ask all of our first-time guests is, "What is your favorite game of all time?" Now I know that is a very loaded question, but mm -hmm. what do you think? Yeah, yeah. So, so the goat for me is going to go to uh, The Witcher Three, uh, The Wild Hunt. Yeah. Greatest game of all time, I would say. Uh, you know, it does. Uh, you know, you don't really need a lot of uh, backstory to enjoy it. Although I did play the prior games, Witcher Two, mm -hmm. uh, and the first one, and you know, it does uh, just add that extra kind of ambiance to the third one as you're playing through it and kind of find these secondary and tertiary characters that you didn't even know uh, you'd come across. I mean, it's got romance, it's got great combat, everything. Yeah. It's a complete package, I would say. Yeah, I've heard lots of good things. I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. I still have your copy of it, unless <laughs> I gave it back. I'm not you, sure. I think you do. <laughs> it's one of those games where it's so intimidatingly huge that I don't want to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Assassin's Creed, uh, like recent trilogy anyway, can feel that way as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's, there's definitely some crossovers between, or similarities, I would say, between, you know, some of the stuff you do in Assassin's Creed and some of the stuff you do in The Witcher. Yeah, I get that. Jake, have you played The Witcher? Uh, I played the first one. Oh. And I enjoyed it way back when it came out on PC. Oh. Was it on any consoles? Uh, not that I know of, but, um, yeah, I played it on PC a long time ago. Okay. 
I know that I should play The Witcher 3 because people have only like raved about it <laughs> and I guess that's another problem. Usually when it starts, uh, you know, comes time to play a new huge scope game, I start to just get lost in it and devote yeah. my life and just <laughs> become a yeah. couch potato. Yeah, it's, it's a commitment. I think every episode I give you like a new game to play. So maybe not The Witcher 3 yet. You've still got the rest of the Mass Effects to play through. Oh, which I started the second one. Oh, you did? And I'm pretty into that one already. So that's fun. You know, 10 years after the fact. Dude, that game holds up so well. Oh my gosh, it's so much better than the first already. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the combat and everything. (laughs) You're going to love it. You're going to love it so much. Yeah, an improvement it's pretty sweet in so like far. every way. Yeah. And then I think the third one also just kept building. Mm-hmm. Nice. I trust both of your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, do you have yes. a Japanese lesson for us this week? Oh, yes. Yes, I do have a Japanese lesson. <clears throat> Teach us. All right. Hello, everyone. And yokoso, which means welcome in Japanese. Today's Japanese lesson is going to start useful, and then it's going to get more Easter eggy. <laughs> so we're going to start with uh, "Nice to meet you" and stuff like that. Okay. All right. So the first one is "Hajimemashite," which means "Nice to meet you," and that's what you would say to someone when you meet them for the first time. "Hajimemashite." Haji. Uh, break that down a little slower. <laughs> that's it. It's okay. Hajime. Hajime. Mashite. Mashite. Hajime mashite. Yes. Hajime mashite. Exactly. And you would typically bow when you say it. And then you would say your name. Okay. Pretty simple. And then at the end, you would say, Yoroshiku onegaishimasu. Or, Dozo Yoroshiku. And I'll break that down really fast or really simply. Yoroshiku. Yoroshiku. Onegaishimasu. Onegaishimasu. And that means, I'm happy to meet you or please remember me. Oh. It's just a very simple and formal greeting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so weird how the Japanese language is just so unnatural compared to English. Like, just my mouth does it, not want to yes. make those those sounds whatsoever. Um, yeah, it's very unique. Scientifically, it, yeah, scientifically, it's about as far on the opposite end of the, I guess, spectrum of sounds. Yeah. Um, of, from English, uh, and there's a study done. English and Japanese are about as far apart as you can get. <laughs> That's Which crazy. is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And then I have uh, one more. Okay. Um, and this is going to be slightly related to what we're talking about today. But as you know, the ninjas were uh, historical um, assassins and agents from medieval Japan. Okay. Specifically the uh, Edo period. And uh, usually when we hear about ninjas, we think about a certain phrase, haya. Yes. <laughs> and that is a real thing. Okay. It's called a kiai. And Kiai is a phrase that's uh, said during a martial art, and if you, it's basically a yell, and it's said that if you yell, your spirit will essentially exert more force, and that is what Kiai means. Oh. It's like spirit exertion. So that's why you hear a lot of yelling during mm-hmm. martial arts. Like trying to expel so, the energy. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, Ooh. I'll punch you. Oh, okay, here we go. All right, come on. Go! Oh! So what about, you said haya, does that have like a translation? Nope, it doesn't. It's just essentially an onomatopoeia for pulling back your hand and then smashing something. Okay. Uh, Yeah, like (laughs) heave ho kind of thing. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. So 
There it is. All right. Thank you for that wonderful lesson, Jake. No problem. Jake's Japanese lesson jingo! So let's go ahead and get into our main content for today. And first off, I will say that we plan for this to be a two-part series. And in this part one, we're going to focus on the first game and then the Ezio trilogy. And then next episode, we'll talk about basically everything else from there. Let us begin with the very first Assassin's Creed. I don't know about you guys, if you remember, back when this was coming out, first came out in uh, November 17th, 2007, we probably heard about it the year before, and we saw this incredible trailer of this assassin stalking through this medieval gallows, making a kill and then disappearing amongst like the monks, right? (laughs) So I don't know. Let's start with you, Malcolm. What did you feel when this game was announced? Uh, I was, so I was extremely, uh, you know, already hyped for it. Um, you know, I'm someone who's already been big into, you know, prior, uh, you know, medieval or historical films. You know, I'm thinking like Dragonheart, Braveheart, you know, Lord of the Rings, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, when I first saw this trailer, you know, I thought it was so unique. Um, you know, it was just such a unique concept. I hadn't, because uh, it first gave me Prince of Persia vibes a little bit, because, mm-hmm. you know, Prince of Persia obviously takes place in the Middle East, and that's where our setting is for the uh, for the first Assassin's Creed. And I think the best part that stuck out to me was uh, the end of it, actually, when you, you know, like he perform, performs, the, executes the assassination, and then just vanishes into the crowd after, you know, a long, uh-huh. daring chase. Uh, which I which I thought was the best part for me, and to me that was just uh, you know so it just seems so fluid, so seamless, just you know mm-hmm. like poof he's gone into the crowd. So I, <laughs> I love that almost like a magic trick, but he's just hiding in plain sight, which is yeah. something that you know is is integral to to all the games. So yeah, that was the part I enjoyed the most. Very cool. So Jake, so now I'm realizing as we bring this up that you are late to the 360 game. So. Have you even played the first Assassin's Creed or, or when? Oh, yes. I definitely played the first Assassin's Creed. Okay. Uh, I almost 100%ed everything, too, on the first one. Okay. Uh, guess where I first heard about this game? <laughs> I'm guessing from me. Yep. Okay. <laughs> As is the usual. Uh, you were very excited to show this game to me. So that was the first time I heard about it. Um, outside of, I think, Game Informer. I think I got a quick glimpse of... Uh, the like an early kind of announcement from Mm -hmm. game informer but i didn't really know what to expect because this was still the era where i was playing very childish games and didn't really have any m-rated games yet so when you showed it to me i remember being obsessed with it um after seeing it and really wanting it but realizing it was uh not really a game that i could easily get i didn't have the proper console (laughs) so i was excited about it i just couldn't play it for a while yeah eventually i got it and that was the first game I bought for 360, I think. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. So I want to jump back to something Malcolm brought up, and that is Prince of Persia. So these are both made by Ubisoft, and they have some similarities, right? They both are based on parkour, and Prince of Persia more the, the puzzle parkour, while Assassin's Creed, the more open world 
free running type deal. And that is not any accident, right? So for the longest time, I thought this was true, and it still might be. Prince of Persia 1 and 2, and then the third game was supposed to be a more open world game, exploring rooftops and taking down archers and things like that. But it ended up becoming, I guess, too big for the time. And they ended up scrapping that idea. But that's not what I actually heard today as I was doing some research. So shortly after the first Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, came out, they started working on kind of like a spinoff just called Prince of Persia Assassins. And was supposed to star the Prince of Persia, but then they're like, well, this doesn't make sense. Why is the Prince of... This is the Prince. Why is he running around the streets doing this? And then they're like, well, it's okay. It's the Prince's bodyguard. That's who you're playing as. And then it slowly just evolved and became its own thing, which is really cool. I just love hearing how, you know, good ideas get spun off into being... You know, they're not they're not scrapped. They're used somewhere else. Like how uh, the first iteration of Resident Evil 4 became Devil May Cry, right? So it's ah. kind of a similar thing here, but yeah. a long-winded way of me bringing up Prince of Persia. I love <laughs> Prince of Persia. These games are so good. I just want to talk about them real quick because I have played Warrior Within, the second one, a hundred times, I bet. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I love that a lot game of times. so much because that one, like the first one was great, you know, running on walls, rewinding time, mm-hmm. dozen, dodging buzzsaws. And then the second one, they're just like, all right, we're going heavily mature on this one. Kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Got super gory. And probably my favorite part is anytime you're running from the main enemy, the Dahaka, you hear some god spell come on in the background. Yeah. There's metal blaring as you're running from this, and it doesn't really suit it. But then at the same time, I guess it it does a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that very... Because uh, uh, their song, I Stand Alone, I remember. the yep. Yeah, I remember that so much. That was, uh, that was probably my favorite, too. I think I remember actually talking to you about that back when we would have lunch together. And... Uh, uh, talk about the Dahaka. I remember that part very vividly. <laughs> that part was very, uh, very scary. And you'd run behind like a waterfall, right? To get away from him. Yeah, he couldn't go through water. And that was actually like the true ending of that game is you had to get every single health upgrade. And then you got the water sword and you got to defeat the Dahaka with your water sword. So that was the true ending, which was actually pretty hard to get. In most other cases, you killed, I don't remember her name, but the girl who releases the sands of time when you kill her and anyway did you play any of those jake i did not sorry <laughs> i never <laughs> okay. played prince of persia it's okay because it's you know uh, i guess it was on the gamecube so you could have played it but yeah i totally could have <laughs> they were they were just so much fun like just a very well-made game and there's supposedly coming out with a remake of the first one Oh really? Uh, that was supposed to come out a while ago, but when they like announced when they showed like the final gameplay reveal, everyone's like, mm, "These graphics don't look that good." Like, this is a remake, and <laughs> then they withdrew that, and apparently we're trying to fix it up. But I have not heard a thing since then, and it was supposed to come out like last year. I feel like now. Interesting. Indeed. Oh, remakes. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and get back into Assassin's Creed. Awesome possum. So, I thought it'd be better to just start off with like a brief 
overview of the story just because this story is very weirdly complex and spans a bunch of games throughout. So I just wanted to give a, like a quick overview and then, uh, then let's go from there. I don't know how quick this is going to be. Yeah. No, this is one of the quickest ones I've, I've oh. written just to try to condense it. So, yeah, I mean, like, the Assassin's Creed universe is just so freaking complex. Mm-hmm. It is. So here we go. All right. History has been manipulated by the freedom-seeking assassins and their rivals, the Templars, who think it's better to have people controlled. So the Templars want to control people. Assassins want to set everyone free. So you, the main character, you actually exist in present day and you use a machine called the Animus to relive ancestral memories while learning secrets and locations of these pieces of Eden, which are these artifacts that were left behind by the precursors, these godlike aliens that created the humans. And we then turn them into the mythical gods we know now, like Athena and and Jupiter and like what the Roman gods is that is that what I'm thinking? Yeah. So anyway, there there you go. That's it. That's just my brief overview of the whole series. <laughs> A lot happens in between, but there we go. Where do you guys want to start with the first Assassin's Creed? Let's talk about our experiences playing it. Okay. And some of the things that really stand out the most. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm totally right. down for that. Uh, you guys want me to go ahead and start? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so for me, I think uh, uh, the combat was something that really stood out. Uh, you know, because it was primarily a, uh, uh, you know, like like timing. Uh, you know, you're timing up your attacks to to push back, and I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, I liked the finishing moves. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I just hadn't. Uh, you know, most of my action games up to that point were primarily around, uh, you know, like button mashers, like Dynasty Warriors. Yeah. So things that aren't don't have a, a heavy amount of complexity when it comes to combat. And this is really the first game that I thought that, you know, not only are you, you know, kind of stalking your prey, but when you actually get into the mix of it and you're fighting, you know, multiple people, it can really, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really branch out in that way. And then, of course, you have all the different things you have access to. Uh, you know, you, you've got your throwing knives, which, by the way, I was disappointed because in the trailer, he shows them using a crossbow and then yeah. they changed it to throwing <laughs> knives in the game. Uh, and then now the crossbow till later. So I was I was disappointed when I got in there. I was like, man, they think that I didn't notice the the throwing knives, but uh, <laughs> but I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that was uh, that was probably the biggest thing for me. Um, you know, outside of just the the interesting story, you know, between the Templars wanting to control people and the assassins, you know, trying to go more the free will route and let people mm-hmm. choose their own destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Jake? Well, I could probably echo a lot of what you just said. I mean, almost to a T. It's 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 so true. This game actually got me uh, considering archaeology for a major. What? Oh, archaeology. I, I never. I know. Surprisingly enough, I collect artifacts as a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> and I just what it, it was because of this game actually. Wow. It got me really interested in history. So uh, because of that, I spent so much time playing it, and I remember playing it so much to like to the point where I, I didn't even have anything to do. I just like walking around and looking at stuff and leaping off the um, buildings. But uh, that was probably the biggest thing that I enjoyed was leaping off the buildings and seeing yeah. how far <laughs> and just seeing where I could leap mm-hmm. off from. Were, were you a, almost like 
Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, were you a fan of the uh, the leaps of faith, like kind of like doing those <laughs> off all the different buildings? Because I remember yeah. I remember doing those, and I remember uh, you know in every single game, you know, I enjoyed it. But I remember sometimes, you know, whether it was doing a leap of faith or whether it was you know just randomly jumping off a building, uh, you know, you yeah. always get the I, I always get the butterflies in my stomach from you know jumping and <laughs> yes. falling, even though it's just in yes. a game, but you can feel them inside. Yeah, that was, that was really fun. Yeah. When you climb super, super high, which is exciting to do just for fun, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you get those butterflies, you feel that effect of like, oh my gosh, I'm so high up. Yeah, don't look down. Yeah, don't look down. And even back when you're very inexperienced playing it and you try some of those leaps of faith, you'll screw them up sometimes. And I remember doing that too many times. And Assassin's Creed 1, as great as it is and as great as, it, as, great as the precedents it set, it did have some issues because it was the first game, mm-hmm. like the no swimming thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you never want to even be beside water. Yeah. Like there'd be little um, obstacles set up so that you could like leap on poles or something. But no, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to risk dying. Yeah, uh, yeah, desynchronizing <laughs> and have to start again. Yeah, just stay away from the water at all costs. But as much as it's improved over the years, I'd say for me it was climbing stuff and just like trying to find all that hidden stuff that was what i enjoyed the most about this game yeah uh being able to just travel to exotic locations like oh my gosh i've never seen a game where you could be in jerusalem you know that kind of thing yeah that's true yeah and they did such a good job of uh of capturing what the what the cities looked like i remember you know you mentioned uh seeing it in game informer uh you know a while ago jake mm-hmm. and i also saw it in game informer and i remember i kind of did uh, like more research and found out that uh you know ubisoft actually sent you know photographers and you know people who knew the language interpreters to these to these historical places you know jerusalem and damascus to actually get a good uh, uh you know recounting of you know what the city looks like and you know kind of how it changed over the years so that was you know another yeah. another kind of pin in with the with your history yeah no kidding that's awesome Th- that's about the gist of what i've got to say there with the effect it, le- it left on me and what i enjoyed the most gameplay wise yeah so what about you cameron i think just the whole the free running aspect of this had, had never been done before really like this mm-hmm. game was so original at the time ironically because, you know, it since became a, a near yearly franchise after mm-hmm. that. But this first game, <laughs> it was hard to really complain about anything just because there was nothing to compare it to. It mm-hmm. was just so much fun running through the city and yeah. climbing those buildings and, like you said, jumping off those hay bales and hiding from guards and all just that, uh-huh. that silly stuff. And it's funny because they got so much better that one is kind of a joke and mm-hmm. kind of oh, now looking back at it, it's yeah. like, I don't want to touch the first game ever again because it's so, so hard clunky. to go back. <laughs> yeah. One of the, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah I, I echo that completely, you know, but the parkour was amazing. I, I really enjoyed that too. And that was some, also something from the trailer that was, that was really cool, you know, having mm-hmm. to push through crowds and, you know, mm-hmm. maneuver that way, you know, cause that's something that in the later games kind of gets pushed away. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> it's true. There are a lot of things that they took out of the more recent games that they should have kept. I think some of them should have been more like, you know, assassin and mission focused. Yeah. It's become, it's definitely deviated from that. They're still really, really fun, but Mm -hmm. I wish they would have kept some of that 
some of those elements yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like in the first one, you know, the story story wise, when you're in the Animus, actually playing as Altair, you know, that's that's pretty. It's pretty like linear and straightforward, even though it's uh, you know like spread out, you know, across an entire city that you can explore, as opposed to mm-hmm. some of the later games that are much more uh, you know open world focused, where that's really the the sandbox yeah. idea is where they're yeah. where they're taking it. Yeah. In the Animus, it feels more natural to the story in the original ones. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it almost feels forced. Like, it like does. they have to yeah. add it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, shoot, we shouldn't have ended the story with Desmond in the third game. And now <laughs> it, it it doesn't work after that. It's just like, yep. Yeah. It's, it's silly. Yep. There's a lot they should have done or shouldn't have done in this case. <laughs> but so let's talk about that. The Animus. I don't know about you guys, but that was a shock to me. I had no idea that that was the premise of this game. When I first booted it up, I was like, wait a second. What am I doing in this lab? Like, <laughs> yeah. what is yeah. this? Yeah. Exactly. I had no idea that was in it. Yep, yep. When all the DNA sequencing started popping up, it's like, oh, yeah. wait, mm-hmm. hold on. Did I get the right game? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very cool premise, I got to say. Yeah. It just it caught me off guard. And then as you go, you're like, every once in a while, it pulls you out of the game out of the animus to do something with with those characters and you're just like uh no i don't want to do this part put me back in mm-hmm. especially in the first <laughs> yeah. game i feel like yeah. they, they get a little more interesting as you go on yeah the first game it's it's certainly you know when you're outside the animus you know playing as desmond that part uh you know is it was pretty uh i don't know one note i felt uh, until you got to the later games um, yeah. But the idea of the animus being able to, you know, relive memories of past lives through your DNA, you know, that's something that's integral to the to mm-hmm. the first few games, and you know, it's it it's kind of takes on a different perspective later later on in the in the future games. But in the first one, you know, being able to, you know, when you first boot it up and you're you know you're going through the the sequence of you know him you know being told like yeah your great 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 was was an assassin, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so. So that was really interesting. It's kind of shocking too. That was back when that part had like never been released before. You know, there was nothing any there's nothing like that in the story prior to that saying, you know, oh, we're going to be traveling back in time through your DNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's become a little, you know, more um overdone now, but first time you see that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. cool. So, before we move on to the sequels, what was the worst parts? about Assassin's Creed 1. Ooh, worst parts. Wow. So I already have an answer. It's yeah. For me, it's the repetition where okay. you have the same crappy missions you have to do before every assassination where it's like, all right, tail this guy, go sit on yep. this bench and eavesdrop. And that was pretty much it. What other missions were there? Yeah, they, they all follow yeah, the they're... same construction, essentially. Uh, and, and, and while it was really good at first, you know, I, I, I do, you know, see, you know, like you, you are repeatedly doing the same thing. Go here, spy on these guys, and then mm-hmm. go here, you know, tail this person. Um, you know, there's not a lot of variety in the, in the actual missions you're doing. It's just kind of moving from A to B, doing the same set of uh, calculated and rehearsed tactics. Yeah. I'm going to raise my hand and say, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that repetition, uh, I loved how, well, maybe not loved, but a lot of repetitive character models, which we see, you know, from time to time, but a lot of the same character models, almost every NPC that's not like a main target 
has like the exact same face. You know, every soldier has like the exact same face. And they have all this really bad dialogue that they say while you're like free running and climbing stuff. It's like, if he falls, I won't help him. (laughs) And And it's the same thing. You hear it over (laughs) and over again. (laughs) Yep. Same sound bites. (laughs) Yeah. That's the game showing its age there. Yeah. Yep. And speaking of age, like it, I mean, that's kind of early 360 days still. So as pretty as it looked at the time, it is very drab now. Mm-hmm. Like it is gray and tan. That's uh, the way I remember that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember that too. Uh, you know, look at, looking back as I was kind of researching for this, I was looking, you know, watched a, a video of a playthrough and I just remember thinking, man, it's a lot grayer than than I remember. <laughs> but man, at the time, it was, it was like cutting edge. Yeah, the medieval era did not have the bright neon colors we're all used to. No. <laughs> not, not, a, not of, like, futuristic sorts, but... So, Malcolm, I'm curious. Can you give us, like, a, a history check here? So I know that when they made this game, part of their plan was everyone that is assassinated was a real person in history, and they tried to make it line up to where they died still in the same place and in the same time. Mm-hmm. But then they're putting this alternative spin where it's like, oh, it's actually these assassins that, you know, were altering history and, and not coincidence. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so the, uh, you know, the, assa- the actual Assassin's Order of Assassin's Creed is going to be, it's based off of uh, the Hashashins. So that's H-A-S-H-A-S-H-I-N. And that's kind of where the etymology of, you know, assassin is going to, to eventually come from. Uh, but, yeah, in, in, in all the games, not just in the first one, but in all the games, you know, you, you run into, uh, you know, you're going to run into characters who are throughout. Uh, you know, I think Robert De uh, Sable, who's uh, one of the main antagonists in the first one. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, records that are going to show people dying at certain times, and and then I think the the game, you know, the Ubisoft is actually taking kind of license there to you know utilize the historical setting to, you know, put a you know an interesting spin on this, you know, as far as like this this is a secret assassin order that's going in and is uh, you know trying to trying to change things. So when I was actually doing research for for this podcast, I actually found out that a lot of what was uh, going on with Assassin's Creed actually came from a book that was written by Vladimir Bartol, uh, and it was called uh, Alamut, which was uh, named after the uh, the fortress of the real life headquarters of the Hashashin Order. So oh. uh, you know, and that that remains their fortress, uh, you know, up until the uh, the late 13th century when the when the Mongols conquered it. So you know, there there is a lot of uh, you know you know a lot of the people that you meet in this in these games you know going forward are going to have you know this historical background, but you know as far as like the historiosity of you know how they live their lives. Uh, you know, it, it, they do take a lot of liberties, you know, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to later games, you know, like Leonardo da Vinci, you know, taking some of his inventions and, you know, but, yeah. but we'll get to that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, let's take a quick break and then we will come back and jump into Assassin's Creed 2. We'll take a leap of faith back into Assassin's <laughs> oh, Creed 2. Solid. <laughs>
Welcome back. I just thought of something during the break. Before we talk about Assassin's Creed 2, this character is in 2 and in the other ones. I wanted to talk about the fact that Kristen Bell is in these games. <laughs> and Yes. This was the first time, really, I'd ever seen an actor modeled into a video game. Because mm-hmm. I remember playing it, it's just like, man, she looks familiar. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like, these graphics are bad, so I can't quite tell... <laughs> and I, I remember Googling it and then like seeing the side by side. It's like, oh my gosh, it is. Yeah. So, I don't know where mm-hmm. I was going with that. I just thought that was really cool. Oh, I noticed the same thing. And actually, I think this was one of her big breakout roles, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Weirdly enough. Oh, really? Yeah. Like this was back before she was an international sensation. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a thing. I remember thinking the same thing. Oh, she's super familiar looking. <laughs> yeah. See, I never even noticed her. Uh, until years afterwards and someone had made mention like oh yeah she plays uh it? it's lucy right yeah yeah yep uh yeah so someone mentioned that she played her and then i actually looked like looked side by side which what you were talking about cameron yeah the <laughs> likeness is uncanny <laughs> well that it is good job kristen bell so let's talk about assassin's creed 2 and I think it's pretty factual to say that this is one of the best sequels ever made. Yes. So many games add a two and call it done and make more or less the same game. But uh-huh. Assassin's Creed 2 took everything good about the first game and then just added a crap load of more awesome stuff and made this mm-hmm. just the definition of what a sequel should be. So... Yes. What were the immediate standouts in the sequel that that you guys liked a lot more than the first game? Well, first off, I would say it seemed like there was a lot more variety, um, at least with the things you could do, the places you could go. Yeah. And like the mechanics felt a little more smooth, too. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't quite as clunky. I can't really explain it a better way, but they, they improved it just right so that it felt a little more fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just started playing this game yesterday. Oh, I played did. it for hours. Yeah, I downloaded it so I could get ready for this podcast. And uh, as the game aged and you realize it's not the game that it used to be, um, you, you know, from your memory, it, it's it's hard to play. But uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> co- compared to the first one, oh my gosh, it just felt so, so much better. It just felt smoother to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't really explain it a better way <laughs> yeah i'd echo a lot of that the uh, i thought the combat system was better i remember mm-hmm. uh you know i remember us mentioning in in the first assassin's creed that there was uh kind of a lot of the a lot of the same faces so, uh especially when it came to like enemies just kind of faceless mm-hmm. templars and here i yep. feel like they kind of made more of an effort and i think they kind of continued that throughout the throughout throughout all the games but especially through the Ezio arc uh to you know add different uh, enemies that are going to do different things challenge you in different ways you know some of them are going to be yeah. you know stronger you're going to have to uh you know really uh think about how you approach different situations because just running up and mm-hmm. you know being more run and gun versus trying to make sure that you assassinate as many people as possible around the area you know that's going to mm-hmm. uh, have an effect and to me uh you know aside from from swimming being added 
was was uh, just the additional customizability uh, of your character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think of uh, you know like the, the armor that you get to that you can wear and unlock uh, along with uh, like the dyes. Uh, you yeah. know, being able to have your own customized uh, uh, cape that was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, made you made you feel like you were you know in the in the times for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll build off that and say, earning Altair's armor. Uh, yeah. From doing it, is it six? I want to say four or six of these, almost like Zelda dungeons of these like really tricky platforming. Yeah. Little temples. And that was just such a, a fun little addition, discovering those and trying to solve them. And then unlocking his the black armor, which just looked mm-hmm. really stinking cool. And <laughs> I just, I loved that, as Malcolm was saying, just being able to customize. Because, again, that wasn't huge mm-hmm. before this. Now it's, you know, that's in every game. Yeah, that's expected. But being able to dye your armor and change all the stuff was really cool. So, yes, actually, totally speaking agree. of differences, I had something I, I wanted to get out. Oh, yeah. Go. <gasps> Whoa. Getting out my magazines That's again. Awesome. So, I've got the, the Assassin's Creed cover story, uh, Assassin's Creed 2 cover story on Game Informer here. Nice. And as I was flipping through this, there's, I mean, there's no, there's nothing new here. It's not like when I was looking through Bioshock Infinite and it's like, oh, this is all a completely different game that never came out. Um, so this is familiar, but it's it's really cool. It's telling us about just all these differences, all this new stuff it's adding. Swimming for one, showing some swimming, good. Um, <laughs> the different weapon types, because you could choose like a pole arm or a sword or a giant axe to, to fight mm-hmm. with, which was really cool. But I think the best addition is so much more flexibility with your hidden blade and assassinating people. You could do... Yep. Double assassinations. You could easily, much, much more easily jump off of stuff and assassinate people. You uh-huh. could hang from the roof below them and then pull them down. And it mm-hmm. just, it controlled so much smoother. Because I think in the first one, like, you had to be in this perfect alignment to do an assassination off a roof. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. it just, it, it rarely happened. Oh, yeah. Never yeah. worked for me. Yeah. And you end up just spending, like, a, a full minute just trying to nudge your character with the joystick to get to the right <laughs> spot to be able to assassinate someone, especially if they're moving. It's even worse. Yeah. Yep. Let's see if I can... I'll hold this up for you. But the game okay. is darn pretty. So much prettier than the first one. Yeah, it sure is. A lot more mm-hmm. color. Um, oh, so you can see there... Color. It's comparing locations in the game to pictures of their real-life counterparts, and they look so similar. Like, it looks like Venice. It looks like... Yeah, (laughs) these are all pictures of Venice, and it looks just like it. I'm so surprised. (laughs) Yes, we were there. (laughs) We were there. (laughs) Yes, Jake and I... I don't know if we ever told the story, but we did go visit Jake when he lived in Germany. Mm Back when we were what six? So oh, younger de- than that. Definitely not. No, I think yeah, we were five. <laughs> definitely not the age to enjoy it, but I do remember Venice because mm-hmm. we we stayed with you for a week and then we traveled, you know, neighboring countries for a week after yeah. that, mm-hmm. and that was really cool. I do remember Venice flooded while we were there, as yep. it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that it um, does. They just they don't uh, they don't miss a beat. They just like push all the benches into like the middle of the 
the alleys and whatnot, and you just everyone is just walking onto this bridge of benches through the city. Wow! In the water. Yeah. Wow! Talk about just living with nature. Yeah. It's become... <laughs> until, until nature takes that out, it can't be much longer. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's sinking and <laughs> it's a mess. Yes, it is. So much history, though. <laughs> You know what? Assassin's Creed 2, you get this like sense of rewards. Um, like you really have to work for things. Like the villa, you have to work to I forgot uh, about that. Like, build it mm-hmm. up and make it nice and pretty again. And it feels a lot more rewarding when you've got this almost like customizable world around you mm-hmm. that you make or you help make. And that's what I really enjoyed about that uh, <laughs> I love how experience. The first game, they knew, I think they, they realized, okay, we made the first game too serious. Yeah, and they definitely added some levity to this one, and I love the like the first thing you meet your uncle is like, "It's me, Mario." Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like that wasn't subtle at all. Yeah. What you're doing there? Oh, I was laughing so hard when I heard that. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even the uh, you know start of this game, you know, meeting Ezio, and it's such a different tone from the first Assassin's Creed with Altair because Altair, you know, he's he's in a you know seasoned assassin at, at, at that point yeah. in the story and you know he's you know seen some stuff and then we meet Ezio who's just this kind of young uh you know <laughs> arrogant boy. naive headstrong yeah. uh you know character and you get to uh-huh. uh you know experience the, the loss you know of, of his family earlier his brothers and his father i believe early yeah. and uh and then you know eventually getting to the uh to the to the house uh Montegironi, i think I can't remember the yeah. name of it. Something starts with an M. But yeah. you get to go there, yeah, and you know, set up kind of your base of operations, and then grow from there, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Just speaking of the intro, is you know his brothers and, and father being killed. His father was modeled after an actor as well. I don't remember hmm. because before this came out, they started with these little live action shorts that mm-hmm. led up to this game, and it was. It was of his dad wearing the Assassin's Creed or the Assassin's robes, you know, and Mm -hmm. you you can find them on YouTube. I assume that's where I watched them originally, but it's like these, it's like three videos or so that are of his dad when he was an assassin that lead up to the game. And it's the same. He looks just like the character model. So they must be the same guy. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And well, Desmond also was modeled after a real person wasn't he i believe so i think he was i mean most of them are i guess you're right i guess just Kristen bell's the only one we remember mm-hmm. yeah the significant one most memorable yeah. international star yeah you know what when i was playing this yesterday uh like it was so hard to get back into the flow like it was really fun i played it for hours and i'm probably going to play it after this too um yeah because when you get going uh plus it's like almost replaying a new game because i've never or I, I don't remember this game much it's been so long since i played it it's just so different from the modern assassin's creed games not in a bad way it's just it was really hard to get back into the flow of the old assassin's creed yeah and we'll probably have more to talk about that later but like the new ones that's i play so much of the new ones now that it just it, it, it's really real 
how much has changed when you play that old Assassin's Creed compared to the new one. Yep. Um, or one of the new ones. It feels almost jarring, doesn't it? Uh, you know, going it, back it to, uh, you know, either slower pace on the combat or slower pace on, uh-huh. like, how you, uh, you know, advance or, you know, level up, quote unquote, your character. Yeah, totally. A lot more story-based, a lot slower pace, like you just said. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It, it was like a completely different game series. Mm-hmm. Not going to harp too much, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, real quick, I'm trying to remember the story of this one. Isn't the villain... He's working towards becoming the Pope because he knows that the Pope's staff is an artifact of Eden. Mm-hmm. I, think yeah, I think that's so. the gist of it. Yeah. And so you end up less. fighting the Pope. It's very yeah. weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it is. It is, it's, it's really weird. Um, but I kind of like that out-of-box, you know, idea that, uh, you know, the church has these ancient artifacts that, mm-hmm. you know, only select few know about. And they're trying to find yeah. ways to manipulate, you know, cause at least uh, from the Templar's point of view, you know, manipulate politics or, uh, you know, religious matters to, to suit them so that they can get access to these things. Yes. If there was a large scale political scandal or person in power in the past, the Assassin's Creed logic is they probably had one of the apples of Eden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's how they're controlling people. So... <laughs> He's he's a Borgia, is who this character is, and that's you end up fighting like his whole family. So mm-hmm. Malcolm, I want you to to fill us in with some history here because I don't know the significance of the Borgias other than this game, and I know they have a show. There's a show about this family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the entire family originally takes place uh, or comes from Aragon, Spain. So they're actually like a Spanish family. You know, it's pronounced mm-hmm. Borgia, but like kind of like B O R G A. Uh, you know, so that's, that's how it's pronounced. And they ended up, you know, coming to Italy and kind of became this powerhouse of a, uh, uh, you know, of a family. They ended up having two popes in their in their family that or p- two people in their family that became popes. And they became, you know, really, uh, you know, historically were really were able to pull the strings throughout various different areas of Italy and eventually in Rome when they became kind of uh, more in control of ecclesiastical matters, they were able to kind of control and manipulate things in their favor, which is funny because that's what they do in the game. You know, they're all about, you know, control, trying to manipulate. And then the real history is, you know, like they they really did try to control and manipulate. And then, you know, to contrast that, you know, we also in in this uh, in Assassin's Creed 2 run into the Medici family. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we run, I think uh, we run into I think Lorenzo Medici I think is the guy who we run into here, and uh, yep. you know they're they're all famous family, but they became a powerhouse in Florence from their banking. They kind of you know were uh, very important with bank rolling and all these different trading endeavors. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, so you kind of get these uh, you know these two families kind of going in different directions with with the Medici's trying to kind of control things you know or influence things you know more financially, and then you've got the Borgia throughout the games as well as in history who are you know kind of behind the scenes trying to uh, gain the power to uh, to wield for themselves interesting hmm. yeah I'm glad no you kidding. know this history stuff <laughs> you're a perfect guest for this yeah this is awesome I'm learning new stuff and it's really exciting <laughs> just like hey come on <laughs> yeah yeah and I, and I mean there's, and there's awesome. so much you know and I mean we haven't even touched on Leonardo we haven't touched on Machiavelli I mean I mean, it's kind of crazy, you know, we could, 
actually make, you know, entire podcast episode just about, you know, a couple of these characters, you know, let alone a game that's just filled with them. And, and you know, it becomes even yes. more so in the later games, because I feel like they kind of, yeah. you know, in, in the in like Assassin's Creed 2, I think that's really where they started to input, uh, you know, more historical figures, uh, you know, because yeah. the first Assassin's Creed, like there's some, but definitely not as many as, you know, in Assassin's Creed 2 and the, and, and the future games where they just kind of took a lot of creative license about, you know, oh, well, this person was here at this time, so they were helping the assassins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good it's point. pretty cool stuff. Like, in the first game, I don't know any of that history at all. Like, all that mm-hmm. could be made up, all of it could be true, no idea. Yeah. Didn't care. But then the second one, it's like, oh, Da Vinci, I know who that is. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it, I mean, it was a cool way to, to kind of relate to the players more. Yeah, I, I agree. And the first Assassin's Creed, it's much more of kind of an existential battle or, or ideological battle between the, uh, you know, the Assassins and the Templars, where, you know, wherein, you know, the people kind of doing the acts, you know, whether it's, you know, Altair, the other Assassins or the other Templars. Uh, you know, who, yeah. are, who are trying to control things, um, you know, they become uh, like they become so much more fleshed out in the future games. You know, it's like, it's like mm-hmm. you know, like they're just continuing to add and add and add. And, you know, you really notice that in Assassin's Creed 2, uh, you know, just meeting all these all these different characters. <laughs> yep. Makes history really interesting, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The historical fiction being able to kind of, you know, just flip back and forth is, is pretty it's pretty interesting what they do. Yeah, I love it. It's the best. One thing that's really interesting here is that I guess Ezio was such a compelling character that they made three games about him and they they haven't done this since right like they made spin-offs about him that aren't numbered it goes assassin's creed 2 and then goes brotherhood then revelations and then goes assassin's creed 3 so we i mean we're running a little long on time right now but what do you want to talk about from those two games real quick honestly these were two games i didn't play much at all oh really yeah I kind of stopped after two and then didn't really get back into it until uh, Black Flag. Okay. Yeah, so so the, the biggest thing about, you know, Brotherhood and Revelations, uh, you know, I found was just the most compelling was Ezio's journey. Uh, you know, I think that's what's, what's what everyone really loves about these games, uh, you know, these three here, uh, compared to other games which don't have a lot of recurring characters, uh, you know, because there's all set different time periods or, or whatnot, so there's just like maybe a, uh, you know, behind the scenes, uh, you know, mention of them or an Easter egg or something. But, you know, with, with Assassin's Creed 2 Brotherhood and Revelations, you're really seeing the development of Ezio. You know, you, you know like I said, you start in the first, or this, uh, the first uh, Assassin's Creed he's in, which is Assassin's Creed 2, you start there, you know, he's this young, naive character, and then he goes into Brotherhood, uh, you know, ends up uh, being, you know, a much more seasoned assassin and kind of has to step up and take a more master role. Uh, in, yeah. in within within the order, and he, uh, you know, eventually, uh, uh, you know, in that game, you end up commanding uh, your own followers, and you can kind of build up assassin strongholds. 
And then in the final game, uh, Revelations, you see him, you know, as, as you know, a, 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 you know, a man in his in the twilight of his life, you know, trying to yeah, search for, you know, like, 60s. yeah, trying to search for, you know, purpose and or wisdom, you know, and he's trying to, you know, find, uh, I, I think, uh, Altair's uh, like grave. Um, I think that's what he's yeah. looking for uh, in that game. So to me, like that's the most compelling part is you know you go through all this, you get to see Ezio grow, uh, develop uh, you know his own uh, you know like romance uh, you know in the game, as well as you know the relations to uh, his characters. Uh, but then you get into like Revelations and Revelations, you know, it kind of I feel like it kind of uh, put the characters that we had made kind of on the back burner and was more about this search for for wisdom and truth and trying to uh, you know figure out. Uh, what our purpose is. Dang. I I yeah. loved Revelations a lot. Oh, it's, I think it's great. I see Brotherhood as more of like just 2.5. It's not it's <laughs> not a huge difference and change there. But Revelations it's tried It was a revelation. It was a revelation. <laughs> no. It it tied Ezio and Altair together in a way I was not expecting. Oh, I know. And it has these parts where you're kind of jumping back and forth between both of their perspectives so we get to to go see Altair again which we haven't seen in a long time but then we also find out that through I I think it's through the apple of Eden that Altair has I could be wrong here but he is able to know his future and he knows of Ezio's existence in the past where he's been kind of like watching him in one of this the coolest moments is where in Altair's last mission, he shoots the villain with an arm cannon. And at the moment, I was just like, oh, yeah, that was kind of cool. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That didn't exist. He stole that design from the future from watching Ezio. And that just like blew my mind. I was like, that is so cool that they have this <laughs> connection through, you know, history, through centuries where they never knew each other. But. They, they know so much about each other and just seeing that kind of surreal relationship between them was just, it was really cool. And then it, it goes beyond that because even Ezio knows that he's being watched by Desmond at some point and like mm. actually speaks out loud to Desmond and you, the player, or Desmond's yeah. just like, what, yeah. what on earth? How is he talking to me? We live a million years apart. Like, I just thought that was such a cool story to that game yeah it was such a such a good way to break the fourth wall there um you know and i mean it just it ties up altair and Ezio's arc so well um you know because because you in the first assassin's creed you know still kind of having a lot of questions about altair and then revelation so much revelations is just you like chasing kind of what altair's mission was after he found the the map to all the different apples of eden around and was trying and was trying to find them, and then you know Altair just locks it, you know, takes it, and locks himself up, you know, which what what a G just locks himself in his own tomb, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know uh, Ezio you know finds it and then breaks the fourth wall, like you said, Cameron, and is talking to Desmond, you know, realizing like you know he's seeing, you know he's really just a messenger, uh, you know, for him to be able to find something in the future that's going to, you know, help out the kind of assassin cause. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now I got to go back and play these games. <laughs> yeah. You'd, this is, you'd like it. This is probably back when the story is still really compelling, right? Yeah. <laughs> back when it mattered. 
back when it mattered and it wasn't just a convoluted mess <laughs> well guys i think that is a, a great place to end part one we've got still so much more to talk about with the mini sequels on 360 and beyond that we will discuss so malcolm we sincerely appreciate you being here and your historical experience that you have to share thank you so much guys it was a lot of fun all right so with that my name's cameron and i'm jake and have a very sneaky week just don't assassinate anyone (laughs) (laughs) ninja no minasan sayonara bye